sepsis is the most common critical illness we see. It's generally accepted that source control is a key step in early sepsis treatment. Time of onset after sepsis was about 15 hours to source control. There is an urgency to act that translates directly to patient outcomes. Just escalates the degree of paranoia I'm taking to my next shift. Well, welcome everyone to Critical Care Perspectives in Emergency Medicine. This is Mike Winters from the University of Maryland School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. So happy that you are joining us for yet another CCPEM podcast here, where we're going to get back to a common theme, or a common topic we talk about, and that is sepsis, but a specific aspect of sepsis management that's important and may find out towards the end of this podcast may be time sensitive. But before we jump into our education, this podcast, let me start off introducing my amazing co-host, Dr. John Greenwood. I'm going to start with you this time. How are things going? Things are going great, Mike. Thank you for asking. As we were just talking about, I'm super excited. Ball is here. Baseball playoffs. As some of you may know, I'm a big Philadelphia Phillies baseball fan, and we are in the playoffs. And while I apologize to our colleagues in St. Louis, what is known as baseball heaven was not so for the Cardinals this past few days, but that's okay. I have no doubt they'll be back again, but we are in Atlanta right now and I'm looking forward to seeing how the season plays out, but I'm doing well. Thank you. That's great. And while the Baltimore Orioles from a baseball standpoint aren't in the playoffs, they did have a good season. So John, I'll root for your Phillies. <laughs> All right. Well, Dr. Rodriguez, we usually end on the West Coast. Let's go there next and see how you are doing out West. Doing great out here. This is a lovely time of year on the West Coast. It remains sunny through, it certainly has remained sunny and warm through September and is continuing into October. And we're all pretty excited, although we don't have as good of a baseball team out here. We're doing well. That sounds great. And we... So hope that all of you that traveled to ASAP out in San Francisco had an amazing time and hopefully we're able to eat at Rob's recommendation from the restaurant standpoint. But if not, hopefully you had a very, very enjoyable and educational time at ASAP Scientific Assembly. Well, let's round things out with Dr. W. We'll head south this time now to New Orleans. Well, absolutely gorgeous weather. It has been gorgeous for the last two weeks, bright, sunshiny, moderate temperatures, and we dodged a hurricane. Sorry for the Florida folks and the folks on the East Coast, but we're living large with spectacular weather, music venues and festivals and food festivals. So it's a good time to be in New Orleans. Agreed. And just a plug, we know that I believe that of AAEM's scientific assembly is going to be in your neck of the woods, Peter, in mid to late April in New Orleans. So folks want to visit and take part in just so much of the food and festivals and restaurants that you've taught us about over the years here on the podcast. That would be great. And just one shout out and thoughts, really, all of our colleagues, patients, family, friends that are in South Florida and trying to recover from the effects of Hurricane Ian. Our thoughts are with you as you move through this and get through this most difficult time. All right, well, let's turn to education, the topic at hand for this podcast. We're going to get back to sepsis, as I mentioned, and we have talked a lot about 
the pillars and essence of sepsis resuscitation over the years with fluid resuscitation, early recognition, early and appropriate antibiotics, along with monitoring someone's hemodynamics and perfusion status. But we haven't touched that often on another probably very important pillar of sepsis care and resuscitation, and that is actually source control. And Dr. Rodriguez, thanks so much for sending this article our way that is going to serve for the basis of our discussion this podcast. And this was just recently published in JAMA Surgery. Lead author was Wrights, and it's titled Association Between Time to Source Control on Sepsis and 90-Day Mortality. So Rob, let me just turn things over to you. Set the stage for this discussion here. Thanks, Mike. This is a great article, and it's generally accepted that source control is a key step in early sepsis treatment. We all pretty much have accepted that recommendation, and approximately a third of hospitalized patients with sepsis do undergo some sort of source control procedures, and by source control, we mean things like abscess drainage, soft tissue debridement, removal of infected hardware, and other types of source control. But despite the frequency of patients undergoing source control procedures, there really is no consensus on how rapidly source control should be accomplished. Although the current international guidelines rate source control as a best practice recommendation, it really is based on low quality evidence. And furthermore, they don't really cite any data regarding the exact timing of source control. In general, they just say as soon as possible. So the objective of this study and these authors was to determine the association between the timing of source control and adjusted mortality in community-acquired sepsis. Outstanding. Way to set the stage there. This is actually very important. And I don't recall that we've covered it ever before, certainly on the podcast, or seen much in the way of articles like this one pertaining to time to source control and does it matter. So with that background, with that objective of this study, Peter, what really was the study itself? Take us through the methods. You got it, Mike. So it is, in fact, a cohort study that was pulled data from 14 community and academic hospitals in an integrated healthcare system. That integrated healthcare system was actually University of Pittsburgh. So well-known leaders in sepsis research. And so data was derived from their inpatient electronic health record. And the patients that were included in this study were adults aged 18 years of age or greater, the evidence of community-acquired sepsis, so these weren't in-hospital disease states, but out-of-hospital-acquired sepsis, and then those individuals who underwent source control procedures. And so that's our group that were included. Now, who was excluded? Those patients who did not actually undergo a source control procedure, they weren't included. Patients who underwent procedures longer than 36 hours after sepsis onset. So that's something to remember. And then patients admitted after trauma activations, and then patients who underwent a concurrent solid organ transplant. So those are the ones who were left out. So source control defined by CPT codes specific to the identification of source control procedures. So CPT codes were grouped into six anatomical categories, and those six categories were gastrointestinal and abdominal, hepato-pancreatico-biliary, thoracic, urologic, and gynecologic, 
orthopedic and cranial, and lastly, soft tissue. The time to source control was defined as the time from sepsis onset to the intervention start time of the first source control procedure. And then the time of sepsis onset was defined according to the electronic health record criteria in sepsis three. And then the time to source control was dichotomized at six hours to define early under six hours and late six hours all the way out to 36 hours source control. And as you remember, if you were more than 36 hours out, you were excluded from the study, so you didn't get to play in the study. The primary outcome was 90-day post-intervention mortality. The secondary outcomes included post-intervention ICU admission, the hospital length of stay, in-hospital mortality, and 365-day mortality. And now just turn it over to John for results. Yeah, thanks, Peter. So in total, there was almost 5,000 patients that underwent source control interventions in this study, about 4,962 in total. And the median number of time of onset after sepsis was about 15 hours to source control. Now, a third of the patients had multiple source control procedures, which is pretty high. That means they're pretty complicated patients. But the overall mortality was 14% at 90 days. So not that bad. Now, if we look at those who had early source control, the group that had early source control, a total of about 1,300 patients of the 5,000 received source control within the defined period of less than six hours. And if we break down that group of that 1,300 patients, they were younger, they were sicker, so they had higher SOFA scores, were more frequently mechanically ventilated, were more frequently on vasopressors, and received antibiotics earlier. And I guess you might take away from that, well, they were clearly presenting as sick and requiring early interventions and antibiotics. It makes sense. They probably would have been given sooner. Now, the procedures were more frequently GI and thoracic or soft tissue in this early intervention group. When we go to our primary analysis of those who received early source control, they had a 29% reduced risk-adjusted odds of 90-day mortality compared with those who had late source control. So it falls in the box of what we would expect, that those who had early source control had reduced risk of mortality. And early source control was associated with a 24% and 34% reduced risk of in-hospital and one-year mortality. So not just in the short term, but in the long term as well, they had reduced risk of death. And for each hour of source control delay, it was associated with increased 90-day mortality. So when they looked at it at that hourly level, patients who had a longer delay in source control had an increased risk of death. The greatest risk reduction in 90-day mortality was in the GI and abdominal and soft tissue interventions. Now, as far as some additional findings to take away from this paper, well, early source control was associated with the greatest risk reduction in middle-aged patients. So not just the young group, but middle-aged patients, 35 to 54 years old in age, and rapid time to source control was more frequently observed in the sicker patients. And early source control was associated with a greater reduction in risk-adjusted mortality compared to the patients with less organ dysfunction. So those who were sicker who got 
interventions and interventions more quickly appear to have less of a risk of dying. So I think that the takeaways here are source control, particularly with those that require procedures, not just early antibiotics, but procedures as well. Clearly, we're seeing some benefit in this large database study. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, John. That was great in terms of reviewing the methods as well as those results. And they really seem to be impressive results with respect to source control, with the understanding that sicker patients got there sooner and had a better benefit. It's starting to put a little bit more information for us as we're caring for these patients. And John, as you noted, it seemed to have greater risk reductions when it was a GI and abdominal as well as soft tissue source. And so kind of putting that back on the bedside, we've got a sick septic patient, say in the ED or ICU, and perhaps in the sources in one of these areas, really time And for some of these patients is of the essence, whether it's soft tissue or neck fash and get that adequately debrided or drain an intra-abdominal abscess, it's an important component of the care that we deliver. Now, with every study we review, always citing the limitations, and these authors do a reasonably good job of citing their own limitations, most notably that they did focus only on community-acquired sepsis, so thinking about generalizability. Also, it was within this region of the U.S., so thinking once again about generalizability. Overall, it was a retrospective cohort, so they looked at data from the EHR in retrospect, and is there the possibility of additional confounding there? It certainly may exist, and they do acknowledge that in terms of looking at the data, they know who got source control, who got the procedure, but as to how complete that procedure was, did it completely remove the abscess or debride the soft tissue? Well, that they didn't necessarily have data to, but notwithstanding, this article would strongly suggest, and I'm going to turn it back to you guys for your thoughts, that really, especially in the sicker cohort of patients, getting sooner source control when clinically feasible really does appear to make a difference. So, Rob, I'm going to circle back to you. We started with you for the background. What is your interpretation? How do you use this latest study with respect to managing sepsis? Yeah, Mike. So I like this study overall, notwithstanding its limitations. You know, it is a retrospective study, as you noted, and there are a lot of limitations with retrospective studies, mainly that their data collection forms, they can't capture all the data that you would capture in a prospective type study. So those limitations notwithstanding, I think this is a really good paper that kind of common sense that the quicker you get rid of the nidus of infection, the better patients do. And it is a call for us to advocate for our patients to get surgical procedures when they need them and to not just wait around for clearance of sepsis. So overall, how it affects my practice is it'll push me a little bit more to push the surgeons and, you know, and sometimes us as well to do surgical procedures that will help clear the nidus of infection. And yeah, that's my take. Great thoughts there. Peter, I'm going to move over to you. I really like this article because I think it gives us some ammunition to approach our surgeons with an urgency to act. I think that when we see particular bug burden associated with devices, whether it be vascular devices or joint devices that are acutely infected, 
the clot that's associated with those devices can be bathed with antibiotics, but they still have bug burden inside. And so there's constant shedding of bacteria and bacteremia. And so I think this helps us have more intelligent conversations with surgeons with those devices and understanding that that hardware has an inordinate amount of bug burden to it and that there is an urgency to act that translates directly to patient outcomes. Well said. All right, John, bring us home. Final thoughts. Yeah. No, those are all really, really important points. And I think the one or two things that I might just add to this is, I think this paper, what I took away is continue being overly paranoid in patients who it's not 100% clear what their source is. That may require cross-sectional imaging, something if you're not sure if this is just a simple pneumonia or a GU source, keep searching try to identify, is this a deep space infection, something that you're not seeing, and get all the data because clearly with the delayed intervention group, those patients have the risk of doing a lot worse. And if we don't find that source, we're doing our patients somewhat of a disservice with just providing antibiotics without definitive control. I think that the late finding group, those patients probably often are really challenging. It's quite possible that those patients that got surgery late they weren't so clearly presenting. And I'm thinking about that elderly population, right? The 70-year-old with maybe some generalized symptoms that turns out they had an intra-abdominal abscess that didn't localize on your exam. Those are really challenging patients and clearly are at risk of doing more poorly if we don't identify their source that can be intervened upon quickly. So just escalates the degree of paranoia I'm taking to my next shift. Great way to wrap this up. And gentlemen, this has been an outstanding discussion. As we have said before on the podcast, sepsis is the most common critical illness we see. And this is an important component of it that we haven't done a whole deep dive on, but I'm glad we had the opportunity to discuss this article. Our congrats to Dr. Wrights and colleagues really on this publication in JAMA Surgery. Please let us know if you have any questions or concerns about what we've discussed. There will be the associated handout that you have associated with this episode. And any questions, please shoot us those through the website. We'd be happy to engage in conversation. And to that end, we will be happy and excited to talk with you on our next podcast. Bye for now.